0: The Pasha the, parasha, the parasha of Bo. The parasha of Bo primarily talks about three last makot. Right? Arbe, Choshech, and Bechorot. The one, the makah that, that always struck me as being the most interesting, and I guess the oddest, is the makah called Choshech. Darkness. And the makah called Choshech uh, we're introduced to it in Paragyut Pasuk, Kaf Aleph, the Pasuk that's not in your sheet. But I'll just read it to you. Vayom Hashem moshe Hashem said to Moshe Rabbeinu, you know, stretch out your hand towards heaven. V'yichoshech al-Eretz Mitzrayim. <coughs> V'yichoshech. And there'll be choshech on Eretz Mitzrayim. V'yamesh choshech. But Yamesh Choshech sounds like it means... I mean, I don't, I don't know what it means, but it sounds like it means that you could actually feel it. You could feel the Choshech uh, somehow. It was, uh, it was something real. It was like working, walking through a screen of darkness. Now, I, I just want to remind you that this is not the first time that this is not the first time that Choshech is mentioned in the Parsha of Bo. But Choshech is mentioned first if you look at, uh, at the second page, the, the pasuk at the top, right, Pasuk Tedvav, very good Pasuk Tedvav, we're talking about, the pasuk is talking about the Arbeh, Right, our bed's locusts. I don't know any, anything about locusts, but I'm sure they're a very interesting topic. But about a year, apparently, it's not uh, um, it's not so pleasant to be stuck in the middle of a bunch of locusts. I mean, there could be like there could be millions of them, and they're very annoying. They're very determined. All they want to do is eat, so that's what they do. Now it says in the Pasuk, a Perikyut Pasuk Tedzai. You see the, the, the Pasuk on page 2? The top of the page? Right, the reason that these Sukim are always mixed up on the sheet is to make it more interesting for me. To have to find them. But this is what it says about Arabic. Vayichaset kol so that most of the pasuk describes what the arbed does. They just eat up everything. They're like a, a machine of destruction. They come and then everything is gone. Everything that grows, everything that's alive is gone. But in that pasuk, it says, "Batechshach <laughs> ha'aretz." That there was darkness in the land. So when you read that, uh, that uh, Pasuk, the darkness in the land is like, like an eclipse of the sun. That they are big, you know, they come in flocks or whatever you call things flying. What? Swarms. Swarms. That's good. I like that. Swarms. Swarms. They swarm over you. So when you look up, all you see is black. They, they cut out the light of the sun. Well, I guess, you know, maybe not a hundred percent, but some percent. So you have actually Choshech twice in the parasha of Bo. You have the Choshech of the Arbe. Right? They, they make it, that's what the Torah says. And then you have the Choshech of Makat Choshech. And the Choshech of Makat Choshech was Vayamesh Choshech. Now, it's not clear at all, it's not clear at all what sort of a makah Choshech was. I mean, I imagine that it's annoying not to be able to see, or not be able to see what you're going, but, I mean, after three days it's over. So the annoyance, it's over. You can't compare it uh, to Barad, where there was a real physical danger. Uh, and, 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 and other makot or Our bed was was physical, right? The bed did us in, right? It took away all our food, everything. Everything was gone. But the Makkah of Choshech, the Makkah of Choshech, what was the Makkah? What exactly was the Makkah? So Rashi, Rashi feels that it's absolutely necessary to explain it to us. Because Rashi does not explain to us why, if the water turns to blood, that's a Makkah. I mean, obviously, if you have no water to drink, I mean, that's a little bit uncomfortable. But when it comes to Choshech, Rashi has to explain why the Makkah was a Makkah. And listen to his explanation. It comes to Chazal, of course. That's on the first page, the first Rashi, the top, top of the page. Choshech Shel, Ophel. Ophel is another word for Choshech. It, it means darkness of darkness, which I guess means squared. You know, like darkness squared is worse than just regular darkness. Uh, so we, it was, we're trying to describe something that we've never seen, that we've never had experienced, nor has anybody else ever experienced it. So, anybody we know, that is. Shelo ra'u isha nobody saw anybody during those three days. The shlooshet and then the second time it says three Days, it means it got even worse. How could it get worse? does basically. kamu ish tahtaf. That somebody was Yoshev and Yechol v'olmod VaOmod, and Yechol It was so dark that you were afraid of changing your position. So if you were sitting, you stayed in your seat. If you were standing, you stayed because you didn't know what would happen. If you'd move, you'd fall into a hole, and that would be terrible. mahevi achoshech. Now this is the Rashi, this is the part of Rashi that we're interested in. Rashi doesn't say this about other Makot generally. Lama Hevi Alehebetah Choshi. What do you mean Lama? It's a Makah. And the the Mitzrim deserved Makot. What's this Lama? Listen to this. Shayu bi Yisrael, bo tocha dorishaim. Veloa Yurotzimla tseit, umetu bi shloshn de me afelah. So Rashi quotes Chazal. Chazal said, look in B'nai Yisrael. They were Rishaim, they were, they were bad people. And those bad people didn't want to leave Mitzrayim. They said, look, you know, slavery is... Uh, I mean, you, you could work. You could be a slave and have a good deal. right? You have a deal. It's only a question of personality. And so they didn't want to go with Moshe Rabbeinu. And those Rishaim were killed before Yitziat Mitzrayim during Makat Choshech. They weren't killed by the Choshech. They were killed by God. But the Choshech covered up this whole procedure so that the Egyptians would not be able to see that the Jews were being punished and say that uh, uh, this is all, uh, it's like a bipartisan. Everybody's getting whacked, so why should we let the Jews go uh, go out of Mitzrayim? So that's what that's what uh, um, that's what it says. So now, really, Rashi, when you look at Rashi's vi we know that there were and Mitzrayim, where there was a distinction that was made between the Egyptians and the Jews in the land of Goshen, that the makah attacked the Egyptians but did not attack. The Jews. Here in this case, the Makkah of Choshech attacks the Jews. And so Rashi says, why? Why were the Jews attacked? Why the Jews attacked? How does this fit into the whole pattern? How does this fit into the pattern of Makkah Choshech? So so Rashi says this. He says, well, there was a punishment that had to come on the Jews as well. And therefore the Choshech was a Jewish Makkah. So that all of the Makot were Makot against the Egyptians. But Choshech was about the Jews. It was about the Jews, and the Choshech itself was not a Makkah. The Choshech was a cover-up of the Makkah. Because it was dark, nobody saw what was happening. But what was happening was that there were Jews who deserved to die, who were dying all over the place in, uh, in Egypt. That's what, that's what Rashi said. And then, vaod the Rashi says further, shechipsu Yisrael v'rau <laughs> et klehem ukshiyatsu vayusho alim mehem ayomrim en biadenu kluma melo ani reitiv beveitcha uve makom Furthermore, furthermore, there's another aspect of Choshech that the Choshech was an Egyptian situation, but the Jews were able to see. Where were they able to see in the same place? Like if a Jew went into the house of an Egyptian during the Makav Choshek, the Egyptian couldn't see anything. But the Jew could see. So what did the Jew see? He, saw, he, saw he had his Hanukkah his over here, and he had the Shabbos candles, the silver Shabbos candles were over there, and the Esrog box was over there. So when they left Mitzrayim, the Jew said, Hey, you know, um, we can't just leave without a little cash. So the Egyptians said, "We don't have any cash. We don't have credit cards." I so said, "Okay, we'll take the silver." So they said, "We don't have any silver." They said, "No, we know the ashtray box is here, and the, 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 the candelabrum is there, etc." So they took all that. So we have two statements in Rashi about the Choshech that contradict each other. One statement is that the Choshech exists for the Jews. And was therefore a cover up. There was a, a cover up for the Jews and that the Egyptians shouldn 't see that the Jews are dying at this time. And the other thing that Rashi says is that the Jews could see they could see, and therefore they went purposely. It was like a, uh, a reconnaissance mission. They went into Egypt and they went into the Egyptian homes. the Egyptians couldn 't see because Choshech, and they made a note, you know they, they had like a little computer. And they listed all the stuff that they had, all the good stuff. And they had, you know, a guy with somebody came with good teeth, and he bit on the on the silver to see if it was real silver or not. And and they made notes, you know, and they knew. And they left Mitzrayim, They knew where to get all of this stuff. So I have to say that this is a kind of an odd makkah. I mean, no one is getting hurt except Jews who deserve to be punished on the one hand and then the Makkah is being used for a pragmatic logistic purpose which is the purpose is to make sure that the Jews are going to be able to find the stuff that they want when they leave the why they need all this gold and silver from the Egyptians in the desert I never was able to understand I mean who exactly are they gonna well I guess you know Friday night nice to light candles with a silver candelabrum. okay we understand. Now this, um, this idea, this idea that the Makot have a purpose, that, they, that they're involved in Yitziat Mitzrayim in a more specific way, they're not simply a punishment for the Egyptians, is stated in one other place in Rashi. And that's in this pasuk, the third, the next source on the sheet. That's in this pasuk, ki im ein hinini Mashlich et arov. You know, arov that's like vildechayas. right? That's that's arov. That they usually the vildechayas don't get along with each other, but for the purpose of this makah. They came all together happily with the idea that they could, you know, rip apart the Egyptians. So that's Arof. So Moshe Rabbeinu said, And then, you know, everybody's going to go, they're going to be these wild animals. And that'll be, you know, that won't be such a good thing. Now if you look at Rashi, See, et Rashi says Eta'arov, Kolmi Otun he includes, he, he adds on the, the scorpions and the snakes. I don't right? know, the scorpions and snakes can't move quite as fast as the Vildachayas, but maybe the scorpions and the snakes were riding on the back of the bigger Chayas, you know, like in a Disney movie or something. And then they all came together, they all came together to the house of the Egyptians and they whacked them. You know, and some whacked them from the top, some whacked them from the bottom. There's a They were all mixed in together. That's what Rashi says. Well, you And these animals and these scorpions and these snakes would destroy everything in sight Egypt. Now listen to this. So Rashi, okay, so that's what Rashi said. That's a makkah. That's a makkah. Of course, we have to understand that it's not clear why you need ten makkotu. Right, let's say the Makota additive. A waxed the Egyptians on a scale of 1 to 10, 2. So you have 10 Makots, you get 20 altogether. So why couldn't the Kodesh Bacha wax the Egyptians all at once? 20? What do you think 10 makot for? I mean, 10 is a nice number. Maybe 10 means something. Right? But, but some, I mean, why, why does it go that way? So listen to Rashi. Rashi said this Rashi is copied right out of the Rashi in the Chumash. And if you don't remember this Rashi, it's not my fault. You should remember this Rashi. Because it's really there. This Rashi is in the Chumash. This is what Rashi says. He says, There's a Ta'am ba'agada. Agadah means that the source that I'm now going to tell you is Chazal. It's not in the Chumash. He's in the Chumash. That doesn't mean that Rashi thinks that it's it's uh, differentiated in its truth or authority, right? It's it's just as as good as if it was in the, in the Chumash itself. Doesn't make it, it doesn't mean anything. So it's in Chazal. I mean, it does it's, it's factual according to Rashi, right? This is a question that we showed him dealt with uh, in different places. When are Chazal? When do we have to accept that Chazal is factual? And when can we say that Chazal is kind of just teaching us a moral lesson? And that's an interesting question. But for Rashi, that question didn't exist. Everything that Chazal said is, is true. Everything Khazal Chazal said is true. So now Rashi, goes, Rashi says, he says, I want to tell you why there was first this Makkah, and then another Makkah. I mean, how does the order of the Makot, how is it invented? So Rashi says, Rashi says, mil milchama, Melachim, melchamot ba'aleihem. those are like uh, tactics. The tactics of war that we know from the various kings. Uh, that's how HaKadosh Bolchu took B'nai Yisrael out of Mitzrayim. It was like fighting a war. What happened? Kesei de' malchut How does it go? First of all, one king attacks another country. So he goes and he lays siege to the city, the main city, or the, the, the city that he comes ac- across first. That's, what, that's how they did it. Right? it was like when Joshua bin Nun went into Eretz Yisrael, so he laid siege to Yericho. He had an advantage, because they blew the shofar, and the walls came tumbling down. But if he didn't have a shofar, I and mean, the walls didn't come tumbling down, so then Joshua bin Nun, I mean, then the king, the king would just wait it out. He would sit around the city, and he would make sure no food got in, no water got in, and therefore at the end they would have to capitulate. So now listen to Rashi. Rashi, The first thing that you do when you want to capture a city is you, you ruin the source of water. I mean, you put something in it. You pour in cyanide, so it makes it undrinkable, or whatever was available at that time. And then you start blowing the shofar. Right? We're not talking about Yeshua ben Nun. About anybody. Anybody goes to capture another city. We start blowing the shofar and yelling and screaming. Who did that? Frogs. Who? The frogs. That's the frogs. But who did that? Who? Yeah, who did that? Nain, Yeshua was doing it with God. Who did it alone? Who? Gidon, who? Gidon. Good. That's what happens when you sell those Tanakhim. Good. Gidon. What did he do? He had a small band. But he had, he made a lot of noise. He made a lot of noise and he frightened away, he frightened away the the enemy. That was how he did it. So this is what Rashi says. First you, you take away the source of water. First you take away the source of water, and then you frighten them. You know, people have no water to drink, so it's a little annoying. So then they're frightened easily. And they say, the And that's the frogs. I mean, the frogs are not, they don't kill anybody, but they can drive you crazy. You imagine, you don't have water to drink, and then the frogs are all making that froggy noise that they make. You know, even if there aren't a million of them, it's annoying. I don't know if you know about frogs. He says, this all comes from the Tachos. So what is it that Rashi says? What does Rashi say? Rashi says there's an order to things. There's an order to things that, that first you, the water, then you scare them, then you weaken, you weaken them because they, you take away their sources of food, and then you send in the artillery, in this case the bull de right? And at the end, so that, that Rashi says, Rashi says that there was an order, an order to the way the makot were given, and the order that was followed was the order that any general would follow when attacking a city. That's what Rashi. That's what Rashi claims. Could Hakadosh Baruch have done it all in one fell swoop? Yes, he could have, but. But he wanted, he wanted the Egyptians to understand something. And we'll try to, we will try to come back to that. We will try to come back to that. So let me summarize what we have seen. What we have seen so far. We know that there are two Makot that are connected to Choshech. The first is called Arbe. The first is called Arbe because the Arbe comes in a big cloud. It's called a cloud, right? The cloud of locusts. And, and when they pass overhead... They create darkness. They create darkness. And then there is the Makkah called Choshech. The Makkah called Choshech. And the Makkah called Choshech has two aspects to it. One is, two aspects that are, are interesting for us, that we have to try to understand. The first is, what was the point? Why was Choshech, why was Choshech uh, bought? It wasn't part of it. So you can't say the Choshech was part of the attack. Of the general on the city. Okay, so Rashi gives two rationales for Khoshech. One is that uh, that there was punishment that was coming to a number of Jews at HaKadosh Baruch who didn't want the Egyptians to see that. And the second was that it was an opportunity for the Jews, it was an opportunity for the Jews to. Um, to check out the, the lay of the land and then they would know when they would leave where all the gold and silver in Egypt was and they would be able to take it, take it with them. The point that we have not yet, uh, that we haven't considered at all, is that the Makkah of Choshek is described in the Pasuk as Vayamesh Choshech. Vayamesh Choshech. Now what Vayamesh Choshech means, I don't know. But I can tell you a story. The Pasuk says, the Pasuk Kaf Alif, the Pasuk that's not printed on the sheet, by al by Yamesh And you know that there's a, the Torah, like we go to Yerushalmi. You know what Yerushalmi is? I've told this story before. You know what Yerushalmi is? A Yerushalmi is someone who's lived in Yerushalayim for at least seven generations. That's a Yerushalmi. But if you live for less than seven generations, Yerushalayim, you're not in that club. You go to your Shalmi, like someone who's obviously learns Torah and is a, a great scholar, and you say to him, you say to him, do you know what the Torah Tmima says? The Torah Tmima, you know, was the son of the Orach HaShulchat. The Torah Tmima was a modern person, but uh, I don't know why he's never quoted in the modern Orthodox forums, but the Torah Tmima was a modern person. He worked at a bank. He was an accountant, he was in America for a while. Very interesting interesting man, and he was blessed with this phenomenal memory where he never forgot anything. And so he wrote a book. He wrote the Torah to me. The Torah to me is a collection of of Chazals, plus interesting comments about those Chazals. Now the Torah to me himself in his introduction says, I never quote my sources. He says, I never quote my sources because I don't remember where they are. And it would take me too long to look it up. But I know that everything is quoted. As I admit that. I admit that I sort of like everything I write in my commentary is stolen from somebody. So I ask them all forgiveness. And, uh, and he had this, you know, he, w- he was able to remember everything, but he couldn't remember who said what. So he left that out. He just gave you the, the information. Anyway, let's go back to my Xiaomi. You go to the Yushalmi. And you say, you know what the Torah Tzmima says about Vayamish Choshech? So he says, who's the Torah Tzmima? <laughs> the uh, the Yishalman. No Yushalmi would ever look at the Torah Tzmima. Why? Well, there are a couple of strange things. that He said a few strange things. So one strange thing that he said about Vayamish Choshech, he couldn't understand. He couldn't understand the Torah. I mean, I'm, this part he doesn't say. But I imagine. He said, what do you mean, Vayamish Choshech? Choshech is not a thing. It's the absence of a thing, isn't it? Choshech is what you get when there's no light. It's not like you go to the store and buy Choshech. You can't buy Choshech. So he says, what does that mean by Yomesh Choshech? That you could feel it. To feel the of Choshech, right? That was like the Yomesh So he comes up with this interesting theory that that the miracle of Choshech was that everybody got contact lenses. Everybody in Egypt had like he doesn't call them contact lenses because they hadn't been invented yet, but they had this something on your eye, which prevented you from seeing anything. So that's called that's what he called by Yomesh chosheh. That's the territory. So the Yerushalayim they didn't like that. They said, hey, "What is this? You invent you invent a perush that doesn't exist in Chazal." Shhh, finished. They stopped selling the teratamima. You know, it's all it was all over. So. This idea of Ayamesh yamesh is an idea that's counterindicated. Because the way we understand it, the way we understand it is choshech is the absence of light. And choshech is not something. It's not a thing that you, uh, that you have. And this, uh, this, by the way, is part of the discussion that takes place about the first psukim in the Torah. The first pasuk perikhalaf pasuk bet if you looked the third at the third source perikhalaf pasuk bet it says vaiz like tatova vova goshech al penate hom ruchel kimra chefet al penaye ha mai goshech al penate hom now that goshech that's al penate hom right remember the torah that's in the first three sukkim maybe you never went to geider you should be able to remember the first three pasukim. praise brother can describe the what does that mean what does that mean? Okay, breishit is a hard word, let's leave it out. Bara'a lokimet ha v'et is et ha-shamayim So let's say this, I'll say a pshat, and you'll agree. Et ha-shamayim v'et means everything. Everything, got, it's, like a, it's like a heading. Breishit so bara'a lokimet Breishit shamayim v'et Where did the bri'at start? What was the first thing that was created? This is not such a hard question. What was the first thing that was created by Kodesh Bachel in the seven days of creation? Or, and what does the Possek say? Vayom Elokim, Vayom Elokim, he and the Kodesh said, let there be light. Now before there was light, that's Possek Gibel. Possek Bet says, what does Possek Bet say? V'choshech al to home. That there was Choshech. How could they be Choshech? How could they be Choshech? I mean, choshech is the absence of ore, but there hadn't been any or They talk about choshech, it doesn't make any sense. So that sounds as though you could posit that there's choshech, and then there's absence of ore. They're two different things, right? Because absence of ore comes after the creation of ore. So you could say that so, the, so, so people who are interested in these kinds of discussions had them. And then it goes about, you know, the difference of, of the darkness, darkness, and darkness, that's no light, and what happened to the Pesach what happened to the and so you see, there's a Gemara in Chagigel, Daf Yud Benet Omed Aleph. You see the next source, Hagigah Yud Benet Omed Aleph. Omed just called him the Gemara. Asarad vahim nevro'u be There were ten different creations. The number ten is a like an interesting number. Now, Shemaim va'aretz tov vavo or v'choshech ruach ha'mayim midat yom umidat laila. Now, Shemaim va'aretz tov vavo or v'choshech. You see, the Gemara says or v'choshech, the cheti v'choshech up and ate the home. Where does it say choshech up home? That's in the second pasuk. When there was no R left, no R, so Choshech was created according to this. O. So we've seen that the Gemara says, that the Gemara says that there's a creation called Choshech. And Choshech is not just, not just the absence of O. Now this was a, a great problem. I feel, I feel How can the Gemara say that God created the Choshech? I mean, what does it mean to create Choshech? I mean, what does it mean? What does it mean? So I want to say, as a, as a, in parentheses, that there's another passage that is interesting. Shmot Perek daled, Pasuk Yudal. If you see the next, the next statement, Vayomer Hashem Eilat. HaKadosh Baruch said to Moshe Rabbeinu. What did Moshe Rabbeinu say to HaKadosh I can't talk. I'm not. I have no style. as they say in Hebrew. Right? You know, I'm not good on television. How did I go to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim? What you need to take the Jews out of Mitzrayim is somebody who's handsome, and somebody who speaks well, and somebody who can like impress. Impress the foreign press with uh, with what you're doing, you know. That's what we need. I'm not it. So Akkadish uh, Bahu says to Moshe Rabbeinu, this most remarkable thing, He says, What do you mean? I mean I guess. I mean uh, means literally who gave man a mouth. But I guess what it means is what do you mean you don't talk well? If God wants you to talk well, you talk well? If that's what it takes, I mean, if, you, if you're going to go and do miracles, that this is a little thing, that you're going to look good, and sound good, and be good. What are you talking about, Moshe Rabbeinu? Then, the Prospect says, mi, mi o Who makes a person, on the one hand, who gives you the mouth to speak, and who takes away that mouth and makes you dumb? Elaine, dumb. O Cheresh, deaf. So the Ramban says, Omiyasum ilayim. The Ramban says, Per Shubo. He reminds us of the Rambam and the In the third part, in the tenth chapter, Shehunim Shachla Adam. That ilayim, ilayim, dumb, is a description of a person. Omiyasum Adam ilayim. Who makes a man dumb? That's what it means. Who created a man who can't speak? God created him. That's what the Rabbah says. It's not that God put the dumbness into man, but it means that there are people who are born and they can't speak for some reason. So it's a man who's an Elaine. It's not as though there's ilmut. So that I I just mentioned this pasuk because the medievalists, the commentaries, also had the same problem they had about Choshech. They said, how can you say God created Choshech? Choshech is not having... How can you say that God created a person who's dumb, who can't speak? God never created a person who's dumb. God didn't give the person the ability to speak. He didn't create dumb Dumbness, right, the lack of, the lack of, there's no such thing. It describes a person who doesn't have a certain ability, who has a certain ability and talent. So you remember that this Machloket, this Machloket about whether, whether Choshech is something real, or Choshech describes the absence of something else, which was a very popular kind of Machloket in the, in the Middle Ages, um, It's also it's not only about choshek, also about Elaine. So here we have it. We ask ourselves, we ask, what does it mean to say that God created choshek? What does it mean? After all, we know that choshek is the absence of light. That's well, that's what makes choshek for us. So there's a medrash, a medrash that everybody knows, and that's quoted in this regard. And it's on your sheet uh, twice, but we'll, we'll look at it first in the Medrash. You see on the second page, the second source. The second page, the second source. Omar Abiyanay, Mithchilat B'riyato Shel Olam, At the very beginning, when the world was created, and he's talking about the second Pasuk, Choshech al Safa Kurishbohu Ma Saim Shotzadikim U Ma Sehem Shal, shal Rishaim. So Khurishbo knew that the created world would contain righteous people and wicked people. The Arataya Tohu Eilama Sehem Shal Rishaim. And then when it says Tohu that's the, the way, so in, in, other words, it's as though God created Rishaim. That's what it sounds like it says. God created the bad people. So God created the wicked, and God created the righteous. Right? That's what, uh, that's what happened in creation. Va'i Erev, Eilam Asem Sharishaim, Va'i Boker, Shot Sadikim, Yom Echad, Shinatad Lam Akodesh Bochu, Yom Echad, Vezeze, Yom Hakipurim. Va'i Erev, Va'i Boker, Rishaim, and Sadikim, and they were bequeathed Yom Echad. You know there's a there's this question of why it says Yom Echad and not Yom Rishon, but the Yom Echad means one day of the year, Yom HaKipurim, when even the Rishaim can approach God and expect to get atonement. That's what the Medrash says. So the medrash says, the medrash says that there's no way to understand the Pasuk literally. But you have to understand the Pasuk metaphorically. And so when it says, That means that God purposely created wicked people. God purposely created righteous people. Everybody has Yom HaKippurim in order to save themselves. So now I bring you two Hasidic sources. One is from the Panimia Yafot, which we saw last week, right? The Panim Yafot, as I, as I mentioned, was Pinchas Alevi Horowitz, right? You remember the Talmud of the, of the Great Magid? The Talmud of the Great Magid who went to Frankfurt. In Frankfurt, they were not inclined to Hasidut, so uh, all he could do, uh, Pinchas Salevi was be at big HaKochem, which he was, but, you know, he couldn't... Uh, you didn't get an organization of chassidim going. So, this is, so he quotes this medrash that we just saw, in which, in, in a slightly different way, let's look at the words again. Haaretz atat tov vavo, ze maaseim shorishaim, yeor ze maaseim shel tzadikim, choshech maaseim shorishaim. You see this Medrash, it's like a parallel Medrash, but the words are different. If God created the wicked, and God created the righteous, so I guess God wants all of them. He wants the wicked and He wants the righteous. So the Medrash says, It's hard to know whether God wants more. He's more interested in the tzaddikim, or He's more interested in the rishayim, right? It's kind of a little annoying. Here we keep telling uh, everybody, uh, everybody, we see that it's good to be righteous, and here the Medrash says, you know, everybody's in on the deal. Talmud Lomar, vayaret or kitov. So finally, the Torah takes us out of our suspense and says, or kitov that the righteous is better than the wicked. But this idea that God created the wicked, and because God wanted there to be wicked, usually we, we think of it in terms of of some kind of free will, people are able to choose, or the marisha, and the snake, and uh, you know, like, that's how we think of it, that there was a deviation. Here, the medrash says, the medrash says, no, there's no deviation. This is what God wanted. God wanted righteous, and he wanted wicked. And why did God want wicked people in the world? And like, maybe it turns out that the wicked people, I can, I can sort of deal with that. I mean, it makes me feel okay. But what does this mean to say that God wanted wicked people? So listen to what the Panimia thought. What the Panimia thought says. So it's of the Lady Horowitz of Frankfurt. We also we call him the Haflor. Right? The Haflo because he wrote a very important a very important Svarim on Masechtot in Shas. Mostly uh, the biggest one is on um, Ketubot. And uh, that's called Haflor. He also wrote a book on Kedushin that's called Makne. Right? No Kinyan, Makne. So... So, uh, so, in yeshivas, he's called the Hafla, The haflah. Partially, maybe because his name is too long. And maybe because you don't want to, you know, quote Hasidim in such exalted, respectful, in a respectful way. So, you call him by the name of a sefer. But this is what he wrote. Listen to this. He says, In yano, ki ha'isha chafes lasot chesedim abriyot. Here's a, here's a man who's a rabbi in Frankfurt, right? You know, rabbis have a lot of opportunities to do chesed. I say always, oh, not, not usually as much as doctors, but they have a lot of opportunities as well. You know, when the doctors can't do it, you go to the rabbi, who also can't do it. But you don't pay the rabbi, so it's okay. She says, Chesed is a person who's about chesed. He really wants to help out others. And then two people come to see him. Two different people. The first person, he's down and out. You know, he had, he had this uh, investment banking business. And he lost uh, endless amounts of money. Right now he has no money, but he still has his $5,000 suits and his $400 shoes. And he... Uh, his fancy ties, and he really looks good. So he comes in and he says, look, I have a little donation. I don't have any money. But look look what he looks like. Oh, it's a pleasure to help out a guy who looks like that. So he says, <laughs> You say, you invite him in. And he says, Come to my house. Oh, let's have something to eat. Let's have something to drink. It's a pleasure to have to deal with a, an impoverished person like you. Right? Who looks like you. And then another person comes in who's sick, has boils and lesions all over his, his, the skin of his body and his face. He says, and, and people turn away from him, and he's very kind of ugly and, and, and difficult to, to connect to. And he won't even, he stops you in the middle of the street and asks for your money, he won't come to your house because he lives in the garbage. And you can see he's dying right in front of your eyes. This person is, is full of death, just like the other person is full of life. But someone who's truly a man of chesed will have mercy on him. and might build him a place to live, a room, the And he would ask great doctors to come and help cure him. Be marim and would they put on all kinds of poultices, uh, bitter poultices, and you know somehow Take care of this problem. And then after he's cured, and after he gets well, this ugly, terribly sick uh, person, suddenly he finds favor in the eyes of us, He goes to shul, they give him an aliyah, and before they were afraid that he would contaminate everybody, that he had some kind of communicable disease... He says, it's easy to say that when we think of it, everybody would say that chesed number two, the chesed that you did to the sick person, to the person who looks terrible, to the person who seems to be dying right before your eyes, and you went and you, you organized a cure for him, etc., he says, that chesed is surely greater then the chesed you did to the first person, who also had no money, but he looked good. He was in a nice suit, and he, he looked like he just came from the gym. And he was, uh, uh, you know, he was optimistic, and he would be able to take over. He says, that's, he says, that's reality. This is what the Padang says. That's the reality of, of stuck it. Everybody wants to get stuck to healthy people. Nobody wants to get stuck to, I wouldn't say no one. But, you know, you want to get stuck to yeshiva, you want the yeshiva to be flourishing and successful. You don't want to get uh, stuck to an institution that's dying, to a place that's not successful, to something that doesn't work. So now, listen to the Padim Yafos. This is what he says. We know that the Arizal says, it's quoted in the Eitz Chaim. The first parak in the Arizal. Why did HaKadosh Baruch create the world? Remember that question? You must have heard it someplace or other. It's the question that we hear and we forget about. That. Because we are absolutely certain that there is no answer to that question. So why should we give ourselves a headache? But the Arizal asked the question and gave an answer. His answer was... That before the creation of the world, there was something missing. That HaKadosh Bohu could not act in a merciful or chesedic way to anything, because there wasn't anything. And so HaKadosh Bohu created the world in order to be able to express the divine midah of chesed. That's what the Arizal said. Now even though he doesn't quote it, the Yafos knew the Ariza, that you could be sure of. And he said, he said, And even before the world was created, God created ganeden for the righteous, in order that they should be the objects of Chesed. Right? The tzadikim and ganeden didn't have to work, didn't have to plant, didn't have to harvest. It was all there. It was all there for them. And he says, And at the same time, God created Gehenom, what we call hell sometimes. And hell was purgatory. It would cleanse the Rishayim. It was good. It was a good thing that there was Gehenom. It wasn't a punishment in the sense that you get whacked and then nothing happens. But Gehenom, was the place of purification? It was a purgatory, and he says, he says, all the things, the punishments that take place in gehenom they are cured there. That's a, a purification process. Even though that person is suffering in Gehenom, he is the recipient of great chesed. <laughs> because after all, it's over. I mean, you're in Gehenom, but at the end, at some point, you're, you're freed. He says, <laughs> And then he can come and join the tzaddikim in Gan Eden." And that's what the Gemara says that, uh, that thank being thankful for Raa is even greater than being thankful for Tova So it turns out that according to the Panim Yafot, according to the Panim Yafot, according to the Makda, HaKadosh Baruch created the world in order to do Chesed. This is an idea that comes from the Chumash itself. Right after the Chet Egel, HaKadosh Baruch says to Moshe Rabbeinu, the Yud Gimel Midos of Rachman, HaShem HaShem ke'Rachum ve'Khanun er'Chapayim ve'Rav Chesed Rav Chesed, the Emes. So that's how the world will continue to exist. The Medrash says that the reason that HaKadosh Baruch Bochu could say that to Moshe Rabbeinu at the Chayta Egel was because that was the intention of creation. The intention of creation was Chesed. And the Panem Yofo says, you know what this Medrash is talking about? Where the Medrash says that God created Rishaim and God created Tzadikim. Or that the tzaddikim finally went out over the Rishaim. This is about chesed. In order to fully express chesed, you have to be able to have this quality of doing chesed even for those who you despise a little bit, who you find unattractive, un, uh, unable. You're unable really... You're unable really to do that. When you think of it, you see that this is not an easy quality. But this is what HaKodesh Bohu put into the, into the world. Whatever you could ask yourself. I know that for me, for me, I think it's very difficult. I have a neighbor. I have a neighbor who uh, lives down the block from me, who every Shabbos invites 30 people who are unfortunates. I mean, really unfortunate people. People who are mentally uh, uh, have, uh, have problems, physically pro- have problems, uh, and he and he deals with them. I have no idea how he does that. I mean, personally, I, mean, I don't think I could I could do it. So he says, Chesed is an expandable notion. Everybody thinks they do too much Chesed. Everybody thinks about themselves that they do too much But sometimes you meet up with somebody and you say, "Gee, I could never do that. I could never." Uh, I, I learned also. I remember, you know, I, I I used to tell this story that when I was in the hospital, people used to come to my hospital bed. Like there was a time when I was really annoyed in the in the hospital. I mean, I, I was in pain or whatever it is you are in in the hospital. And people would come to me and they would say, first they wake you up, and then they say, "Can I get you something?" You know. And, like, that, that's a person who doesn't have practice. But there was a guy. I remember, there was a guy who was in the hospital in Silvestri. I was in the hospital in in bed because uh, I had no way of getting to shul. The guy came around. There was a guy, there was a certain type. And he took me to shul. He, he picked me up. He put me in a wheelchair. Took me to shul. He got me an aliyah. He never said, can I do something for you? He never said. He just saw. He looked. He said, like, he said, this guy needs an aliyah there you got him he didn't, there was no conversation, was no conversation. So some people are good at that some people are good at that so chesed is an expandable quality chesed is an expandable quality this is what the Kodesh Baruch Hu taught us so choshech choshech there's a creation of choshech there's a creation of choshech the creation of choshech is the expansion of chesed to include people that you don't think deserve it People you might call Rishayim, people who are difficult or are, or are suffering or are punished—I mean, all of that—that's all of that is called. Uh, that's called Choshech. That's the creation of Choshech. That's not the Choshech. That's the absence of light. That's something else, right? That's something. You close the windows. You have Choshech, The end is the absence of light. That's the Arbeh. The Arbe was Choshech because the light was covered up. But the Makkah of Choshech, the Makkah of Choshech was like the creation of Choshech in the masa Bereshus, in the masa Bereshus, which is, which is that there is, there is a darkness that you have to be able to accommodate in your life. That, that Chesed has to include that darkness, that darkness as well. And so according to the Padim Yafod, according to the Padim you could say that the Makkah of Choshech, was educational in its essence. It was something preparatory for B'nai Yisrael and Yitzhak Mishraim. What were they being prepared for? They were prepared for life. Their life was going to go through a great change. Now what's the difference in the life of a slave and the life of a free person? So it may be that the difference between their lives is chesed. Because freedom, freedom is, enables you freedom enables you to act divinely and slavery prevents you from doing anything that your master doesn't want you to do so the thing that most approximates the divine action for us is chesed because that's how Akadosh Bochul created the world Akadosh Bokhul created the world with Rishaim and Sadikim because Akadosh Bochul the Yochus, wanted to do the greatest amount of chesed that could be done in a created world. And therefore, the created world had to have in it tzaddikim and yishoyim. And that's what choshech is. That's what the created choshech is. So vayyobesh choshech means, according to the Padmei office, the Padmei office doesn't talk about the bakas of a child, but I'll put it together. The yobesh choshech, you can feel the choshech, means they understood something. Right? Feeling something is is, is uh, another, is a synonym for understanding it. They understood something about the world. It was, they, they the Makoti were also educational. That things have a say there, there's an order, there's a war, and first you do this, and then you do that, and then you have to make sure, I mean, at the end of the war, at the end of the war, without uh, making uh, uh, any political irrelevant statements, but at the end of the war, Right After Darman 's Friday and Ki Man there's an a- option for Hess. A person has to, has to be able to deal with the people who, who has, he has vanquished. Right? Otherwise, otherwise you, you know, just lose uh, uh, the humanity. and humanity is defined as imitating God. That's what humanity is. It's not just something that I thought of. But I was sitting on my back porch and swinging back and forth and drinking Diet Coke. No, that's not what humanity is. Humanity is what God lets you understand about God. So if God said, Chesed, that's humanity. Chesed is humanity. So that's what the Panem Yafo says. That's the way I understand it. But I want to read one more thing. One more Keta. And that's the last Keta. It's Rapsodek and the Rasisil Laila. So the Laila. you know, was a Rebbe in Lublin. And part of the chain of Ishbits. We don't have time for that now, but we're going to try. He wrote a, a Sabah called Rasise Laila, which I can't tell you I don't have time to tell you about now either. But Rav Tzodok HaKohen of Lublin wrote a book called Rasida Laila. In that in that uh, book, uh, chapter, sort of chapter twenty four, Aleph says this but He says he says, There's a Seder in Bria. Which means that history operates in a fixed way. Not that you know exactly what's going to happen, but there are certain rules in history which repeat themselves again and again. <speaking in Hebrew> That's what the Gemara says. That in history, first there's darkness, and then there's light. Kahu <speaking in Hebrew> B'Chol this is Jewish history. E'In Lecha Shum Or Light always comes from darkness. Derech mashal Matan Torah Kodem Lo Mitzrayim. He says Matan Torah. That's the greatest light of all. What came before Matan Torah? Cholshech Mitzrayim. Before they built the Beit Hamidash, the Aron Hakodesh was captured by the Philistines it had to be recovered by David HaMelech. <speaking in Hebrew> so you see that he has this theory. Uh, then he goes on the next line says mishkan <speaking in> Yisrael. <Hebrew> And the people who are living in the the world. And the people who are living in Lukut, the the we talked sarcasm, so I, I, I just want you to understand. I want you to understand, one of the, the principles that they took as being primary was that in order to see the greatness, you have to have experienced the pits. The pits, that's uh, colloquialism. Right? In, in other words, if you were born in a, in a, in a palatial residence, and you always had, like you got up out of your bed and you said, uh, and somebody came and gave you a cup of coffee. You never, you, you kind of lose track of the goodness of things. So you have to experience the lack in order to appreciate the bounty. That was what, that was the way Rav Tzodok understood history. And therefore he said that in history... All of the bad things that happened to the Jewish people, to Am Yisrael, were good in their essence. They weren't bad coming from God. I mean, that's, you know, a philosophical question. How does God uh, produce bad? Because after all, God is good, so everything that comes from God should also be good. That's a different question. That's a different question. But the, the, the point is, the point is that, that the bad, or the seeming bad, is what enables us to appreciate the good and the positive. And, and so that the Torah, this is what the, the Rav Tzodik says elsewhere, we saw it once, the Rav Tzodik said that the Torah ped was created in Bovel, or the main Torah Al-Ped was created in Bovel, because in Bovel, People were able to understand so that Babala didn't have a Beit HaMikdash, there were no Kohanim, and there were no Morim, and nothing was going on, so they, they suddenly realized that the Torah was the only way to their own salvation. And therefore they were able to create the Koach, the energy to develop what we call Torah Shema So that Choshech, according to Rav Sodak, was created by a Baruch Hu for our good. Right? Choshech is a thing It's a thing It comes up It comes in history all the time And it always comes in our history In order to enable us to appreciate What comes after the Choshech And how the Choshech is going to be developed Into something wondrous and special So you see That the Panimia fot His idea was His idea was that Chesed Is divisible amongst Tzadikim and Rishoyim and Sadiqim are the people you want to do chesed for. And rishayim are the people you don't want to do chesed for. And HaKadosh Baruch gave us this message that chesed is not really ultimately divisible. That in order to be a Baal chesed, you have to have the ability to spread the chesed out to wherever it is needed. Rabbi Sadaq said that the creation of Choshech the creation of Chosheh is a special kind of goodness that college Baruchel prepared for Am Yisrael. In other words, in, in history, there's always this preparatory state which enables us to understand what we're missing, what we need, how important it is. And so if we just came to Aries Israel and built the Beit Hamidrash, no good. It wouldn't be good. We had to have 400 years of difficulty of expelling the difficulty, especially in the Northern Kingdom, Expelling Avodah Zorah from Eretz Yisrael. We needed to feel that the Beit HaMikdash was important for us. It wasn't just something you do when you come to Eretz Yisrael. And then he goes through history and he says you find these things over and over again in our history. So here are B'nai Yisrael. I mean they are at a crucial point in their own history. One can say, one can say if the essence of of man... As the Rabban says in Hilchot Shuva, is that man is a free will actor. That man is able to do things by choice. He's able to choose to do mitzvot, right? He's not able to choose whether he's going to be, have a lot of musical talent. He's not able to choose if he could be big and strong or small and weak. I mean, that he can't choose, but there are things you can choose. Mostly have to do with how you devoted you're going to be to the Torah. So that B'nai Yisrael had to learn at the time of Yitziat Mitzrayim, which was a time of the creation of Am Yisrael, creation of Am Yisrael, not in terms of their yichos. I mean, they all knew that they were children of Avram, Yitzchel, and Yaakov, but creation of the group of people who was free, and in their freedom they were going to accept the Torah, they had to understand, these people had to understand what it was that they were getting into, where they were going, and this is what the makah of Choshech, the Makkah of Choshech taught them. According to the Padem and according to the, the Pre-Tzaddik. Akadosh Baruch Hu created Choshech. Right, that's what we know. And then Akadosh Baruch recreated the creation of Choshech for the benefit of Am Yisrael. The creation of Am Yisrael. The creation of Am Yisrael took place during the Makkah of Choshech. The other nine Makot. Well, the military action, as Rashi says, against the Egyptians. But the Makah of choshek, the the choshek, that was, that was for the benefit of B'nai Yisrael, to tell them who they are and what their obligations were and where it was that they were supposed to make their mark in the world. They were not just being freed from oppression, but they were being freed to move on to the next level of national of national existence have a good job